1: Let's talk about some bellwether recruits, man.
2: So as we talked about in the original intro, the second segment of this podcast, talking bellwether recruits, and basically what this section is for is really focusing on the 2024 class and deciphering of the remaining targets on the board for Notre Dame. Who are the guys that we would classify as a bellwether recruit? What we mean by that is a guy that would be monumental to taking this to the next level. So you could think of a guy that maybe Notre Dame is in a big battle of some sec foes, maybe comes from a territory that is not historically pro Notre Dame, right. A big victory that can really propel you to yeah, the next th- level.
1: And that not only that, that the, the recruit propels you, but what it signifies about this staff. And, and I use the term bellwether because I've said, this before I used to love fallen politics and I used to love election politics. Right. I mean, there there'd be like those counties, like, this county has voted for the winner of the presidency since like 1824 or something crazy like that, right? Like, like, okay, wow, that's really interesting. Or, or up until 2020, the state of Ohio had determined, you know, wherever state of Ohio went, so went the country, right? And for, for however, I mean, so like the thing, well, Ohio's a pretty red state. No, Ohio voted for Obama, Ohio voted for Clinton. I mean, so it's been sort of one of those bellwether states. And so you look at it and and that's where this kind of comes from is what are the recruits in this class that show this staff is big time. They can close, they can go toe to toe. And if the first stuff that we talk about is comes true and they can coach and they can develop and all that, this team becomes a juggernaut on the trail because they've got the right coaches in place. So who are those guys in this class? And then also there's a little bit of this to say that there's not enough of these guys at a certain position, which we'll get into. But I want to start off on offense, Ryan. Yep. When, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, there's really one player for sure for me that signifies, okay, they're going to be okay here. And that's Gearby Lambert on the offensive line. When I look at this offensive recruiting, I'm going to be honest it's way too early to be making major prognostications of coach Rudolph as a recruiter way too early. And and this class as a whole won't show that because we've said for months, this is not a great offensive line class. Yep. So As a whole, if it's not like a, wow, you got all these elite players. I'm not, I don't expect it to be like the 2014 O-line class with Quentin Nelson and Alex Bars and Sam Mustapher and Jimmy Byrne, who I like. They beat Ohio State for Jimmy Byrne. He's a four-star recruit. and pan out, but as a recruit, that was a, that's your number four? It's a great O-line class, the 2013 O-line class. I don't know if it's possible to have that kind of class because you would literally have to get like four of the five best offensive linemen in the country because it's not a great year. Yeah. However, there are some evaluation question marks that I have and then the bigger question is, can he close on the guys that you do want? Yes. Right now, Styles Prescott, Grant Bricks, and Gearby Lambert are sort of the three on the board. They need at least one of them. If one of them is not Gearby Lambert, then you need two of them. At the end of the day, Gearby Lambert to me, Ryan, with all the things that go into who he is, where he's from, and all those factors and how important he is, I'm going to, uh, no coach is defined and his career is defined by his first class. Right, But, and so it'd be unfair. So get rid of Rudolph. That's nonsense. That's childish and petty. We're not going to go there. However, you do start having major question marks. If a guy doesn't have success that first year, Girby Lambert is the guy that either says, okay, he's good. We're fine. We're good there. Or missing him means, okay, this is a big problem. Because you got handed this big time top 50 caliber player with huge upside on a silver platter, Ryan, private school kid from Massachusetts. Notre Dame was his leader, and then Te- Te- teammate was in the twenty twenty
2: three class. Like there's just a lot
0: you yeah. couldn't
1: close the deal. That's 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 number one when we talk about the offensive side of the ball.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
2: I mean, I I honestly, I mean, if we're talking about can't miss prospects in this class for 2020 for the 2024 recruiting class, Brian, like Gerby would be, I think, very similar to what Justin Scott is on the defensive side of the ball. And I know we'll talk about Justin Scott, obviously, in in this podcast moving forward here, but Gerby is a guy that Notre Dame needs and needs for a lot of the reasons that you already talked about. It's not a great offensive line year. So when it's not a great offensive line year, you need to make sure that you get the guy that you have identified as potentially the best in the country. That's your guy. And it has been your guy. It has been Notre Dame's guy since coach. He was still the coach and it continues to be the guy since coach Rudolph took over. That has been one consistent, right? Like coach. Heisman really liked Caleb Brewer, for instance, right? Coach Rudolph didn't like him as much, True. like and, and so that changed. But one consistent that has been on this board is that Gerby Lambert has always been a premier player for Notre yeah. Dame. It's a guy that they need. This is a can't miss for that reason, for some of the reasons you stated from the school that he comes from in Massachusetts, from the fact that he is a teammate of Bubacar Traore that you just got in the 2023 class. And also, he is the most clear left tackle on the board for Notre Dame, Brian. And let's call it what it is. If Joe Alt has another tremendous year, he's probably going to the NFL. Most likely, that's the fact. I hope he does.
1: I hope hope he does does too. Because that means he either got hurt or had a bad year, and I don't want either of
2: those things to be true. And right now, there is a major question mark of who is that next left tackle. You could make a case for some guys: Blake Fisher, if he comes back; Emil Wagner, if he continues to add good weight; Charles Jagasaw, if he develops. Like there's some there's some options. But there aren't clear options right now. There's guys that you still have to project. And when you're projecting guys to that degree, what's the best way to make sure it happens? To get as many good options as possible. Because eventually one will most likely pan out. That's the situation you're in. I like Styles Prescott as a player. I think he's talented. I just included him in a potential risers in the 2024 class of targets that are on the board. Cause the, I mean, the fact that he's considered an almost consensus three-star outside of one platform is ridiculous. It is. He should be higher than a the three-star. There's no doubt, but Gerby Lambert is a much more sure thing at left tackle. In my opinion, than what styles Prescott is. I really like Grant bricks, but Grant bricks is a right tackle or a guard. That's what he well, is. To I me. mean,
1: I, I know you keep saying that and, and I understand why you're saying that my, my point would be, I don't think that we know if he can be a left tackle. I'm not I I don't I I think th- I personally don't think it's correct to say he's not a left tackle. Because yeah. of the way he's used. The point though where I would agree with you Ryan is you can't take the risk that you yeah. think he can be a left tackle because the manner in which he's used makes it harder to evaluate that. Sure. That yeah. that's
2: what I would say I could agree with you there. Clearer answers, I think, is what right. I'm trying to find. And I think Garby Lambert is the clearest answer of being one of the potential options at left tackle for Notre Dame down the roads. Right. And if you miss out on that kid, if we're talking about expanding the board, even at some point, do you want to expand the board that much in a year where you have already dubbed is not the greatest offensive line? I had no I had no. I was completely fine with Coach Easton leaving a smaller board this year, Brian, because I'm like, it's not a great year. Like, I get why it's right. such a small board. I get it. And even when Coach Rudolph came on, the board hasn't expanded much. It hasn't. No. And I think that's no, an indication of, it. like, it's not a great right. board this year. It's nor not.
1: should it expand. It's land the guys that are on the board. Like, listen, if, yeah. you, if you're if you going to give me a four-man offensive line class and it's Gearby Lambert and one of Grant Bricks or Styles Prescott, I'm thrilled. You put them with 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 Peter Jones, and now all of a sudden Anthony Knapp's your fourth best offensive lineman in my view. And I can live with that. I can absolutely live with that. But and, and I like Styles Prescott. I don't I don't I don't I mean yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I like Styles Prescott. He's a nice player. But if your three man offensive line class is him, Anthony Knapp, and Peter Jones, it, I I don't love that. Now again, I'll say I understand it. It's not a great O line year and one bad miss can completely change the face of things. Sure. I understand all that, but you can't yeah. miss that guy. That's the whole point. He's at a private school in Massachusetts. He, he stand you 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 were his leader early. It's close the deal. You've got to get him. And yeah. so to me, I, a lot of my current concerns about coach Rudolph go away or at least are alleviated for the time being if he lands Gearby
2: Lambert. It, it will yeah.
1: be. And if he can land Gearby Lambert and one other of those two guys, then I'm I'm fine with
2: that. Oh, yeah, that's a really I'm good offensive very line excited class that I get that. to. If, yeah. if you get Gerby Lambert and one of Grant Bricks or Style Prescott along with Peter Jones and Anthony Knapp, I look at that class and I'm like, that's a good class. I'd be very happy with that situation. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah.
1: There's another one on offense, Ryan, and to me it's, it's a second running back of high quality is a I bit of there. a bellwether. And to me the reason I say that is because is there's really two guys on the board that fit into this mold for me. Anthony Carey from Florida and Kidron Young from Texas. Now, for me, Keedron Young is the number one back on my board. I think he's a top 100 football player. I love that kid's film. But it's not just a bet, But I also think Anthony Carey is a heck of a football player. So it's it's one of those, I'm not going to say, hey, if you don't get Keedron Young, you failed. Because you got Anthony Carey. That's silly. That, that that that's just not how recruiting works in my opinion you have two right. really good backs on the board whatever I think of where they rank they're both really good football players you need to get one in my sure. opinion it does twofold number one is it gives you a big time back I think it it, it does two different it does three things really number one it gives you a very talented back lead back type player number two it makes the addition of Aeneas Williams even better Sure. Because now you can even more so use Aeneas in the role that I think he best fits, which is sort of a complimentary, complimentary. back. Yeah. Yeah. And and then number three, in order to get one of those two players, you got to go into a big time state, one of the two best states in the in the country producing talent. You've got to beat some in state kids for some in state schools for Kidron Young. You've got to beat some SEC schools for Anthony Carey. So to me, that's another bellwether. Can you go into a big-time state, convince a running back to be the second back in the class, and can you land an impact talent? Now, Coach McCullough did that last year in Jeremiah Love, and, and he gets sure credit. Did. However, here's yeah. the difference. They did get on Jeremiah Love a little bit earlier than most people, and he wasn't sure. a big-time back when you got on him. But even more so, it's about stacking. Because as good of a coach as we think Dylan McCullough is, he's never been in a place like Notre Dame where you could really – expect him to get Kedron Youngs and Jeremiah Loves and Anthony Carey's every year. It was, right. a, it was an unrealistic expectation. So that is one question that I still have for him, is can he go out and do it year after year after year? Yep, Dude, phenomenal job in year one. Great job. Great job. And getting Jabron Ke- Payne on board when you were hired initially has turned out to be a pretty savvy move as well. It does so, so far. So yeah. far, Coach McCullough has done a very good job. I like Aeneas Williams, but you've now because now running back is a need. I need to know that you can shift gears and go get a big time back, not just another guy. Right. And that's that to me is why Keidron Young is, is a bellwether mm-hmm. for me. And I think you could throw Anthony Carey into that conversation as well.
0: well One of I those two guys.
2: I think it's very important to get a second back in this class, Brian. I mean, one is, yes, both players are very talented. They both come from very important areas of the country, from a developmental perspective of finding great football players. And you need running back depth at this point. With Logan Diggs no longer being a part of the a part of the program and the potential of Aldrich Estime going pro after the season, now being draft eligible, you need to start planning for the future a little bit here. And let's call it what it is, right, of the guys that would return for sure in 2024 that we know of, there are a couple injury concerns that you can't just kind of overlook, right? Jadarian Price is still coming back from a Achilles injury. Jabron Payne has had major injuries in the past. There is still that question of the, what the durability is going to be and some of the depth of the roster right now for Notre Dame on top of just filling numbers. So I agree with you, and I think that especially – Everyone loves recruiting rankings and offer lists, right, Brian? Mm -hmm. You want to look at an offer list? Go look at Anthony Carey's offer list, folks. Just go look at it. It's like 50 offers or something like that, man. That is one of the craziest offer lists I've ever seen. And Keatron Young is one of the biggest risers in the recruiting side of things. He's now considered a four-star by, by, I think, every single platform. Because you remember when he was originally offered by Notre Dame, he was like a three-star But I think, like three of the four major platforms. He's now a consensus four-star And you got a lot of dudes coming after him now. I mean, there was a point where it was like Texas Tech was a big school. Baylor was a big school. Now you got like legitimate contenders for a guy like Kedron Young. So, yes, you're going into premier territory. You're fighting for two talented backs and you're fighting – some of the elite in the country. I mean, literally, guys, like, go look up Anthony Carey's offer list. He's got every SEC school accounted for, every school on the East Coast accounted for. Everyone's looking for that kid. Everyone's going after that kid. So getting a player of that caliber or a Kidron Young, I think would be monumental for the Notre Dame class because you have to fight against some of the premier programs of college football in a state that's – Texas has been good to you the last two years, but you still are trying to make your full imprint in Texas because it wasn't a great state for you the previous five before 2023. Florida is a state that you have had very trouble getting into over the last few years. Florida has not been great for Notre Dame. Getting into both those territories and continuing any type of momentum you can gain is big time on top of getting two talented football
1: players. Mm -hmm. Let's move over to the defensive side, Ryan. This one's a little bit easier. And as a matter of fact, you could say we needed to add some guys. But the number one well-weather on defense, regardless of position, is Justin Scott. And, and there's so many layers to this. And and but But the one that I want to focus on here is beyond the need, beyond all those things, if you can't beat the best schools in the country who are coming after Justin – for a kid in your backyard at a Catholic school, then I have to say either A, Notre Dame just can't recruit elite players, which I refuse to accept, or B, you don't have the right people doing these recruitments and your strategy needs a major check. Because like, there's there's things you can say, like even, even forget just the Al Washington aspect of it, and obviously if they don't get Justin Scott, it would be a big black eye for Al Washington, and if they get Justin Scott, it's a, okay, let's leave the dude alone now a little bit, it, right? I mean, that, that's really what's at stake for Justin Scott. It's because if you get Justin Scott to go with Owen Wafel and Cole Mullins and Bryce Young and Logan Thomas, for example, bro, I got nothing for you, man. Great job. Yeah. I mean, great, great Agreed. job. Agreed. And the difference is with this class, you can't really look at it like last year's class We say, well, Yeah, I know they got so-and-so, but Chad Bowden's the primary recruiter for Babu Bukar, or and Armel Mookum. Mike Elson recruited Brennan Vernon. So who did he get? Devin Houston, who Notre Dame led for the day you were hired? You you could spin that, and and I don't even call it spin. That was just the facts. If you get the five they're getting now, of course other coaches helped. Of course Chad Bowden was involved and Mark Street was involved. That's how recruiting should be. But you cannot deny that, that Al Washington will have played a pivotal role in all five of those recruitments. You can't deny it. And so you got to step back and say, dude, I was hard on you. I had a reason to be hard on you. You stepped up to the plate and got it done. Well done. right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know what I mean? Like, that's the reality of it. And so, but if you lose them, dude, it's a bad one because you've got a five-star recruit in your backyard. Hour and a half There's late. nothing about yeah. him that screams that any other school should get him. And, but again, it's also, it's not just an Al Washington thing either, Ryan. There, since the, the, the latest open period started after spring ball, they've been on the road for three weeks. There has been several kids they've gone out and seen twice. They've only seen Justin Scott once. Now, Gino know, doing some Chicago recruiting today. Maybe he swings by the high school, but there are more things involved here than just that to me. Yeah. And so I just feel like now it's some people say, well, you need to get out and see him every week. That's not practical, especially since the head coach can't be out on the road right now. Right. It's just not practical. But yeah, I'm sorry. It, every other week, at least you should be out in Chicago seeing him and Taylor and Nate Marshall. And those top guys. 100%, yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And they're, they're, they went from making Chicago a priority to where now it's like on this most recent open on the road period. It's like, mm, I'm not seeing it as much anymore. So that's why I was happy to see that Gino Gadulli was in Chicago today, but I'm very curious to see who exactly is he going to see. Is
2: he just going to go see Cam and Taylor and Taylor, or is he also going to go to see the defensive guys? That's well, a question and, mark that I have. And you know what too, Brian, I, I think it's worth noting that the 2025 class, and you just hit on a couple of those guys, right? Taylor and Taylor, Christopher Burgess, Nate Marshall, Gabe Kaminsky, Dom Hulak, like all those guys in that area. How much of a black eye is it? If they're like, wait Notre Dame didn't get Justin Scott they all know who Justin is they all know it they literally they are neighbors <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. just right there right if I if I'm Nate Marshall and I'm like, oh Notre Dame cool I'm a Chicago guy awesome and but then I look and I say, wait how come Justin Scott isn't going there He's a Chicago kid too he's going uh, why isn't he going there? you need to also start gaining more momentum in Chicago, rearing yeah. up for 2025, man, because right. there's some dudes right in your backyard. And if right. you can't convince the biggest dude in your backyard in 2024 to come, if I'm one of those 2025 kids, I'm like, hmm, why isn't he going there? That's right. weird. Like, why?
0: Right.
2: You know, so I think I really think that not only is that a black eye of just everything you said, the pertinence to Notre Dame, the location in Notre Dame, the importance of that position right. in Notre Dame, it's also a black eye of like, recruiting in chicago and making sure that you yeah. always have your imprint when you want to go to chicago and get a kid right really you, can't, a you can't can't
1: miss in chicago for kids you want you just can't ever you just can't. You, can't you can't and and especially this premium position so he he's a bellwether recruit now you win this yeah. battle it's a it's a it's a certainly a bellwether it, it's a statement win and we could we could and we will sort of nitpick the process of you should have had him in the class sooner I get yes. all that. And that'll be fair things. But at the end of the day, what really matters is just get him in the class. Yes. And I said this before I had this, I was having this conversation with Sean yesterday and I said, look, I just have a hard time being thrilled about a situation where a kid in the last calendar year will have been on Notre Dame's campus once by the time we get to the season. Like that's, that's not, I mean, yes, I do think he likes Notre Dame a lot, but at the end of the day, Logan Thomas will have been on campus three times in the in, in a stretch of about two and a half months, and Justin Scott will be here once. Yeah, uh-huh. that, and, and has twice now canceled visits, canceled the junior day, canceled coming for the blue gold game. You know, you got more canceled visits than appearances. That's a that's a problem, and and we have and to be able to away. right. right. And I understand he's working, but he made time to go to Miami and he's making time. He's going to take I believe he's I believe he's going to take an official to Miami as well. He's definitely taking a second trip to Ohio State. That means he's been to Ohio State twice. He'll take a second trip to Michigan. It means he's been to Michigan multiple times. He's going to take an official to Georgia means he's been to Georgia multiple times. So he's able to take multiple trips to Ohio State, Georgia, places like that. But you can't make a second trip to the school that's literally the closest to you of any school that you're looking at right now. That's problematic. And so, again, my sources feel Notre Dame still leads. All my sources do. Right. But I also have to look at this practically and say, what actions make you think that? I know there's a lot of words that say that, but we've been here before. Yeah. What are the actions? And so, if he doesn't get on campus in May or June, even if it's just for a middle-of-the-week visit, I'm going to get a little nervous. Yeah. I am. So... Uh, but you've got to win it at the end of the day. You've got to win this battle. There's another one, Ryan, yep. that to me is very important in this conversation. And we're going to go to the second level and that's Kingston-Viliyama-Asa. That is the next one that, you've, that to me is a bellwether recruit because it says two things. Number one, we can recruit in the big schools in the out West in California. We can go into the Catholic schools and have some success. We're not going to load up like USC does, but we can win some of these battles, number one. Sure. Yep. It also means that we can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State and USC for a high school kid that they both want, that they both have long relationships with, and win that. And we can stack big-time linebacker classes on top of each other. Kingston, Villiama, Asa is the key. As much as I love Chris Cole's upside, Kingston is the key that, number one, solidifies this linebacker class. But more, even more than just that, it is the one that tells me that this staff can recruit big-time linebackers that are that not just have big time like Josh Burnham was a big time linebacker but he wasn't a big time recruit right Nolan Ziegler had a ton of talent gave him a very high upside grade he wasn't a big time recruit the only Drake Bowen in your backyard Jaden Osbury that was a big win Kingston is that type of could needs to be that type of win as well you need to be able to do that I don't really I mean Jalen Steed was a big win but one of your best friends is his high school football coach. He, you had that advantage. If B.J. Payne is not Jalen Sneed's head coach in high school, do they get Jalen Sneed? That's a fair question we have to be willing to ask ourselves. If Kingston, if they get Kingston, then I don't care about that anymore. Right. Because they showed me they can get those guys. Maybe in Jalen's particular case, they may not have got him, but they would have got somebody else who's a dude. And that's why this one is a bellwether to me. It's not just an impact player, but what it signifies, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State and beat them for yes. big-time players that they want. We can go toe-to-toe with USC for in-state kids that they want and beat them. Yep, That's what a Notre Dame team that's recruiting at an elite level can do. And that's what they need to get done.
2: I, I mean, I, I think just like in a vacuum for a second, if we talk about Kingston, it's such an easy need for Notre Dame. One, because you need more true mics on, on the Notre Dame roster. You're also talking about St. John Bosco and just forget about, you know, Catholic school in, in, you know, out in California. It's also the defending national champion on the high school level. Like that is a fantastic program. And you would also be winning a player who fits you from just a personal perspective, from a player perspective, but also... Teams have been on this kid since he was a freshman in high school. Like everybody knows who Kingston Villiamuasa is, and they have known for years and years and years. Like they've known this kid. You're beating a lot of programs for this player. And to your point, Brian, a final three of Notre Dame, USC, and Ohio State. I want to hyper-focus on Ohio State there for a second. Because Ohio State in 2024 so far has beaten you for two linebackers that you wanted. They've beaten you twice. Everyone talks about Peyton Pierce, but they also beat you for Garrett Stover. who oh, I know is was in, in-state kid but that was a notre dame ohio state garrett
1: stover was a guy that notre dame got in on really early and he liked notre dame a lot and they still couldn't get it done but you're willing to give him a pass for garrett stover because it's It's a big walnut ohio
2: guy right and his (laughs) cousin
1: starts at tight end for you i get that one i'm not even i mean i was really upset when he picked ohio state i'll say upset bummed yeah because i love the kid yeah great Great player like yeah if he's the rover in his class, this is no disrespect to Teddy Rezac. I like Teddy Rezac. You know that. But Garrett Stover was my number one rover and still is. I mean, that was a – that one stung a little, right? He's good, man. Peyton Pierce, whatever. Like I, That's a like, – but they still beat him, right? It's, that was a guy that Notre Dame wanted. The only asterisk for that to me is I don't know that the coaches that were still here after James Laronitis left liked Peyton Pierce as much as James Laronitis did. That's my only caveat to that one. It's but fair. but you still lost him. Yeah. If you go zero for three at linebacker, that's a tough one because you can you can you can make a case for the first two. One's understanding too is like, is it really a loss? Because I don't know that the current staff really wanted him. Right. To be completely honest, with you. James Learn, I just wanted him. He was a pound on the table guy. I want this guy, and they were going to take him. Once he left, I mean, Ryan, you know this. Al Golden wasn't beating down that guy's door, but you know who else wasn't beating down Peyton Pierce's door? Marcus Freeman or Chad Bowden. True. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I, I, I can live
2: with those two.
1: This is the one that you look at and say, no, cause well, Ohio state's had a longer relationship. Have they really? Because who was the guy that was recruiting him at the beginning of the relationship with Ohio state? A was- a Washington. A Washington. Yeah. 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 So the coach who's been on him the long, now you could say Ohio state's been on him longer, As but the team, coach yeah. that was on him,
0: is that's it awesome. Notre Dame
1: now, and is still recruiting him? As you've said, he's doing a really good job with Kingston. Yes, yes. Right? So uh, that's one where you say, "Boy, this is the one you you got to win this one because it's back and forth." You know, I say that Notre Dame has a slight lead, but Ohio State is right there. The Ohio State people, according to Archer, uh, I believe Archer said this that the Ohio State people think that they lead with a slight lead. So regardless it's really tight it's going to come down to who can close the best yes and yes. that's going to be the big test for 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 it's and it's got to be it's got to be out washington it's got to be al golden it's got to be max Bulla. it's got to be chad bowden and it's got to be marcus freeman yep like they all got to be involved in closing this one
2: and and this one would be a big one for everything that we just mentioned Ryan. so there's certainly another bellwether recruit in my opinion yeah yeah, because, I mean, there's no question that Notre Dame, if Notre Dame wants Kingston Villamo in their class, like, yes, they do. Ohio State also wants him very much in their class. He's a really good football player, man, from a great school, from a religious background that is a very deep believer in faith. And he that's a big part of his recruitment as well, is that's why he's been so drawn to Notre Dame to the end, is that. Faith is really important to him. His religious background is very important to him. So, yeah, from a personal perspective, from a player perspective, from a territorial perspective, from a school perspective, you got to get a guy like Kingston, man. He just checks so many boxes of a guy that you need on this program. That would be a – and also that would be a, a nice little, like, double take, you know, for some California kids to be like, oh, he's going to, North, he's going to Notre Dame, huh? That's interesting. That's interesting. So, yeah, I think you need the same – St. Saint, Saint John Bosco product in, in Kingston Vigliamo because he's a kid that you want. And he's a kid that you kid that honestly, you need in this class because there's been more questions than answers at linebacker in 2024. Here's another one.
1: Part of being an elite staff is really being able to flip kids that are, wow, that's a tough, that's a, that's an interesting one. Well, that's a, that's an impressive flip. They flipped kids before Ryan, they flipped some kids, I believe in this class, right? I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm, drawing a blank here but um Carson Hobbs Carson Hobbs flip. from South Carolina yeah. that was the yeah. one that I was thinking of they yeah. flipped kids yeah. last year they flipped kids you're always going to have flip kids but can you flip can you flip a big-time kid from a big-time school in the SEC that matters a whole lot more to me than flipping Ohio kid a Catholic school Ohio kid that's committed to South Carolina like that's one you should do right cart and Carson's a Notre Dame kid right well, so is Caleb Beasley, but the difference yes. is is Caleb Carson is from Ohio. Yep. C- Caleb is from Tennessee. Yes. That to me is, it's not so much that, that we know Mike, Mike Mickens can recruit at a high level. He's already proven that, but now it's like, okay, can he take that to the really the next level and go into Tennessee's backyard and flip a Caleb Beasley to me? That's one of those bellwethers that says this Notre Dame team is, is – this Notre Dame coaching staff is, is really dangerous right now at this point in time. That would be one of those ripple effect recruitments as well. Like I think they're like, holy moly, Notre Dame flipped that kid. So if at that time Justin Scott's still uncommitted or Kingston's still uncommitted or some of these safeties are uncommitted and you're like, yo, you went down to Tennessee and flipped a kid from an SEC school in their backyard, oh boy,
2: that's going to be interesting. I mean, and Caleb Beasley, first and foremost, is a kid that Notre Dame has wanted for ever. I mean, you go back to the Irish invasion last year where CJ Carr and Cam Williams and Jack Larson and all those cats were at. I mean, Caleb Beasley was a part of that group that Notre Dame was so high on. And I think that, you know, obviously Tennessee rode the momentum of last season and the excitement that was behind the 2022 season for them. But I think you really have a, big opportunity because one you have a chance to prove yourself on the field this year to a guy like a Caleb Beasley but also what if Tennessee takes a little bit of a step back he is a perfect flip candidate because there is a lot of factors that I think could go into making this decision a little bit easier for him I really do and I mean at the at the baseline of everything he would become your best cornerback in the 2023-2024 class, excuse me. And if we're talking about having Caleb Beasley, Leonard Moore, and Carson Hobbs as your three, feel pretty good about that, man. Right. Like, that's a really good class. I mean, Coach right. Mickens, at that point, Brian, you're like, yeah, he proved that he could recruit very high level already. That's like a completely different echelon of, of right. momentum there, man, because right. it's just – because Caleb Beasley, in, in my opinion – is a, is a legit top 100 player, and I think it could be a top 50 player when it's all said and yeah. done. I think he has that type of talent. Leonard Moore I would have as a top 150 player, borderline top 100 player. Carson Hobbs still needs development, obviously. I think we both see him pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. But if Carson's your developmental third corner in this class when you got Caleb Beasley and Leonard Moore, you're in a good spot. And it also, a little bit of foresight here, Cam Hart's going after the season. Clarence Lewis is going to be a senior and Benjamin Morrison is probably going to be one of these guys next year at this time. We're like, you need to start preparing for right. after his junior year, because if he continues on his progression. So. And
1: you're losing Thomas Harper as well. Yes. Cause some of these yes. kids are going to be viewed as nickel guys like Carson Hobbs, especially I look at him. Well, that's a guy that I would love to see like almost the minute he gets on campus, be put right in a slot, like right in a slot and see what he can do. Like, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Like, I mean, yes. this is kind of off topic, but I, I, that's the one thing when I do see Carson, I, I feel it. Like, Cause like my only concern with Carson is just speed. That's my Long biggest speed, concern yeah. with him, right? He's yeah. instinctive. He's physical. I just question the speed as a guy that can play on the outside all by himself. And if he answers the speed question, then I'm good on Carson. I'm really good yeah. there. And his track times have been good. I mean, his four by 100 team is really good that he's on as yes. a part of, right? Uh, but even if the speed checks out, I mean, I just, I don't, I just, there's something about his game that I love in the slot. I just. He's got that little swagger to him yeah, too. Like it's physical. Trash he'll yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Uh, I get he's it. got good ball skills. He can come down. He can block, destruct. I mean, all those things that you really need in the slot. And, and if his speed doesn't check out, like I hope, you can protect him a little bit more in the slot Yes, you can. in that regard as well. So, but if his speed checks out, I still like him in the slot. I'd still love to see him as a slot boundary guy. In my opinion, and, so, and you
2: can if you have three right. quarters in the class, you don't have to worry about having right. that potential. Like you just right. do it if you want to do it. Right. So
1: let's move on to the last one for me, Ryan, and and I think this is a position where you can name several guys in my view, and that's safety. And to me, there's there's two bellwether recruits, and I'm gonna that that, that immediately pop into my head, and and I'm gonna go with one of them here, and that's Dewan Lane. From Baltimore Gilman. And this is one of those ones where it's a lot of these bellwethers, run They're, they're, it's multi layered.
0: Yeah.
1: This one is multi layered as well. Number one is you're getting an incredibly high ceiling safety, in my opinion, yes. in Dewan yes. Lane. He's n- far from a finished product. I mean, he's raw, but we've, I mean, you and I don't question Chris O'Leary's ability to coach and develop. We question yeah. his ability to recruit. Yes. And, and so, you get a kid like this and you're giving a guy that we thinks a pretty good developer, a outstanding raw ball of clay with a lot of talent, but it also is about, can you beat some teams that want this kid
2: that do a lot better in that region than you do? Yeah. Cause Notre Dame hasn't done well in Maryland recently, no. man. Like they haven't done well in the DMV for whatever. No, well, they have not. not fully DMV, but yeah, they, they have haven't not. done well. In, but you know, who does BC well in that Maryland. area? Penn State, Penn State.
1: Michigan, yeah. both State do rules very there, well man. in that area. Yeah, And Georgia's after him. His top yeah. five, his final five is Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, Maryland, and Notre Dame. If you can beat those schools for a kid from Baltimore, Gilman, a private school in that Baltimore, what have we said for since you and I have been doing this show? One yeah. area that we want to see the staff have more success in, and they're trying. I'll, I'll give them this. They're trying. St.
2: Fra- the St. Francis's and the Denathas They are down and, yeah. there yeah. in
1: D.C., Maryland, a ton. They were there in the yeah. early winter. They've been out there multiple times, multiple coaches. This time, they're trying. But eventually, the attempt has to get into results. And DeWan Lane is a guy that I look at and say, not only are you landing a safety with a ton of talent, 6'3", three, speed, athletic can play the post
2: can play the alleys can could play receiver if you needed him to ryan i mean really i mean four. he's he said he said on twitter one time brian that he ran a 10 meter hand time which again hand time but like right. still dude that's insane right. for his size like that's nuts so
1: you know that's a guy ryan that you say just everything that 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 goes into it not just the talent the potential the upside that's huge but now you're going and you're beating teams that are that want that kid that recruit that area very very well yes and to me that's the thing i look at and i say that's why this one of all the safeties is a bell like davis andrews is a very important recruit yeah but is he a bellwether J- Jalen McLean
2: would be at bellwether it was my other one game. when yeah. i
1: said one of two and the reason i'm going with the lane is because i don't know that there's anything the notre dame coaching staff can do yeah. about Jalen McLean. sure and and they've tried that one and then just you're you're gonna lose some that's the reality sure. of it i don't care bama loses kids georgia loses kids nobody gets every kid that they want so it's it's to me, Dewan Lane is is a guy that, to me, Jalen McLean's the better prospect right now. Dewan Lane has mm-hmm. the highest ceiling of any safety on the board for me. I agree. Right now agree Notre Dame. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I want to see them have. But I'll be honest, losing Jalen McLean doesn't mm-hmm. concern me about the future of Notre Dame recruiting because, A, they put in a good effort, and, B, they have success in Jersey. They've proven success in Jersey. I'm not worried about that. This particular kid just was looking for things at Notre Dame, you know, doesn't offer. And that's not a bad thing. That's just, that's totally fine. It is what it is. Dewan Lane to me, not only is a big time player with every bit the ceiling, if not a higher ceiling than Jalen McLean, but it's that you would get into an area. You just haven't had a ton of success. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you were able to kind of beat Penn state for cam Hart, Right. But you haven't had a lot of wins. You need to start to string some wins in that area together. And Dewan Lane to me would be a great start. He would be an absolutely great start for me. Uh, he would and, be. And it's a great start in regard to that region. He would yes. be – an they already have a safety in the class, but it would be a
2: great one in yeah. that region. would be very, very important. And it's a big need, obviously, at safety in 2024. It's mm-hmm. massive, man. I mean, not only just impacts, but also you need numbers in 2023, uh, 2024. You need at least three safeties, and I think that you – can't just low up um, good football players, right? Like you need to start getting some premier talents. You know what's funny, Brian, is uh, I think it was on three that has Dewan Lane listed as a three-star linebacker, which is pretty mm-hmm. hysterical when you think about it. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, regardless, man, Maryland is a place Notre Dame needs to have more success in. They've had a couple misses recently. I mean, you think about Jason Moore last year, obviously out of the Catholic. You need to be able to go into that spot and have some success. If Penn State can do it, Notre Dame needs to be able to do it yep. too. That's just point blank. I mean, they're, they're a school that has, I mean, especially when Brent Pry was still there, like they were just killing Virginia and Maryland and all the spots, right? You need to be able to impact that area if you're Notre Dame. And Dewan Lane would be a great example and a great beacon of hope that like, hey, man, we, we can do this a little bit. Like yeah. we'll get down there because what happens next, 2025 with the corners with Blake would be, and Kevin Humes out of St. Francis Academy, for instance, right? Like getting down there. Nathaniel Wusu Botang, who is the right. cousin or the uh, brother, excuse the me, brother, yeah. of Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Like getting those types of players starting that pipeline is important. It has to start somewhere. Why not with the one lane? Why not mm-hmm. make it happen?
1: I think you could, I think one thing that we could say, Ryan, is it is a little bit disconcerting that there's not more than one guy in this conversation really. And I know Jalen McLean, you could say him, but like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would call Davis and I, as much as I like Davis Andrews. I don't know that I'd call him a bellwether recruit just because yeah. there are certain factors that are a little bit unique to his recruitment. Also he's from Utah. Cause again, yeah. bellwether isn't just a talented player. It's a talented player that has other things that show you that this
2: staff is big time, you, right? unique area, big offer list. If, like, In, a lot in of my stuff,
1: opinion, yeah. Davis Andrews is going to do one of two things, go to Notre Dame or go to Utah or BYU. If he goes to Utah or BYU, it's because he's making a decision based on being a Mormon more so than a football decision, which I have no problem with. That's not a criticism. It's understandable because it would mean that he's going to go on a mission and it's just easier for kids to manage that with at schools that are used to that being a normal thing. They know how to deal with that much more so than most other schools. Yeah. I I wouldn't fault Notre Dame if they lose Davis-Andrews to one of those two schools. Now, if you lose them to UCLA or Tennessee, that's a problem. Yes. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm not really worried about that. I'm more concerned about losing them to BYU or Utah. Uh, So that doesn't necessarily speak to being a bellwether for me. So what does is a kid like like Dwan Lane, the kids from Texas, Menke and Oliver Miles, are not bellwethers to me because you're not beating Texas and Oklahoma for those kids
0: yeah they're just Uh, good players yeah yeah
1: they've got some some upside kennedy Urlacher was not a bellwether to me like that's a guy you should have got right i mean if we're being honest with you especially when you look at the schools that are offering them there's just not a lot of those guys in the class and and part of it is because it's not a great safety class which we've established that already it's not a great national safety class Uh, i don't fault notre dame for not getting peyton woodyard for a number of reasons, one of which I'm not as high on Peyton Woodyard now as I was when he was a sophomore. I just think he's one of those guys that's just gotten a little stiffer and a little slower as he's gotten older, in my opinion. And, um, you know, he's looking for things that I don't think Notre Dame wants to get involved in, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm not talking about financial, just, you know, he's – there's just – I don't even want to get into it because he's not a Notre Dame target. I, I don't fault him for that one. It is concerning, though, that there just aren't more guys on the board that you look at and say, boy, this is a really important guy that would signify this. And maybe yeah. part of it's because we don't we don't think about it. But here's what they're going to have to do, bigger picture at safety, Ryan, is you're going to have to find some high upside guys that you you develop. Because that's the one thing I'll say is if they can land some high upside guys, that there's a level of confidence that they're going to be okay because I do trust the coaching at safety with Chris O'Leary. I still right. trust the recruiting. I'd rather get a bunch of Dewan lanes than a bunch of guys who maybe are lower floors because Dewan lanes, a ceiling guy, but he's got a little bit of a higher floor than a lot of the other guys on the, on the board as well. Yep. But I'll say this, like a, a very intriguing option for me is the kid they offered last night. Yes. Malcolm Ziegler. That's a very intriguing one to me, but again, yep. not a bellwether. No. Dewan lanes, the bellwether. So that's, that's kind of that breakdown, Ryan. that's six guys. Well, five guys in in one position because I think we kind of talk about two at running back. Uh, that um, that you look at and say you, the the greater success that you have in that group. Now you argued that maybe Elijah Rushing could be on the list. The reason we didn't include him, Ryan, that should be we should discuss it is obviously that would be a big one. He yeah. would be a big one that would certainly be a bellwether. There's guys out there like that, that, wow, if you somehow get this kid that we're not expecting you to get, that's huge. Number one, at the end of the day, you and I still don't expect them to get him. And number two is I kind of feel like there's a situation, Ryan, where part of the reason that Justin Scott's a bellwether, for example, is because there's nobody else on the board, and it's a position that you're not really recruiting necessarily well. Sure. When you look at the the defensive end class they had a year ago, The year before that, when you talk about Aiden Gobira, Josh Burnham, a junior to Alamaka still being edges from that class. Last year, you expect at least two of the kids from last year to stay on the edge. And you go out and get Cole Mullins, Bryce Young, and Logan Thomas. I'm not hammering you for defensive end recruiting. That's pretty good. That's, yeah. that's some really high ceilings you're working with there and, and, you know, not just high ceilings, but higher floors. I think Cole Mullins has a higher floor than he's given credit for. I, I think he's a top 150 football player. I think Logan Thomas is a borderline top 100 football player. His floor is more about Matt Bayless than it is about Al Washington. Because you could say, well, hey, Al Washington has improved himself as a developer of defensive line. That's fair. I mean, I'd say he has at other places. He just didn't at Notre Dame. We'll see how he does right. this year. But to me, Logan Thomas being a, a really good player at Notre Dame has more to do with Matt Bayless than it does about Al Washington. And I'm not worried about that. <laughs> you know, that that's one you feel good about. So I would say, boy, I, you give me those three kids, and I'm not overly concerned about defensive end recruiting. Now all of a sudden, Elijah Rushing's like, okay, now you're seriously just. You're really loading up now. But uh, that's why we didn't include him as a bellwether. But you can make a case that he he could be in that conversation. And if you get him, he is. He is a bellwether. That would say a lot about Notre Dame. But the yes. six that we went with are guys that we think are are more, I'd say, maybe more realistic. It wouldn't be. None of those would be upsets. Some right. of them might be a little surprised. Like, that's a big win. But they're not. Wait a minute. Hold on. Notre Dame got Who? I didn't know they were even a player for that guy. That's more of of what Elijah Rushing is, where these are guys that, in all honesty, you should. I mean, Gearby Lambert, Justin Scott are guys that Notre Dame should flat out get. They should not lose those guys, right? So when you look at Bellwether being a predictor of this is a big time recruiting staff, those guys would signify that to me. Elijah rushing would just be kind of like, okay, now you're just, now you're Shown just showing off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of putting it, Ryan. Yeah. Like now you're just showing off. Right. <laughs> but I, 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 if I were to criticize Al Washington for defensive end recruiting, if they got Logan Thomas, Cole Mullins and Bryce young, it would be like, dude, did that guy say mean things to you? Like, did he hurt you somehow? Like what, what's your deal? And I'm not going to do that. That's good interior recruiting. Okay. We can have a different conversation, but edge recruiting. I'm you give me Cole Mullins, Logan Thomas and Bryce young caliber players every year at defensive end for Notre Dame. I have no worries about the future of the defensive end position at Notre Dame. Do you Ryan? No, no. I mean, as long as they can get the belt properly. Yeah. Right. I don't have any. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: So I feel good about it. So those are the, those are the, those are the, uh, the bellwethers there. That's the bell weathers, and we're going to get into our last segment before we do though, please hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on, on YouTube, hit that notification bell to know when one of our great shows are coming up and you get that great notification for it. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, hit that five-star review for us as well. Folks go to boards at our for all the great conversation, Intel and all everything that you need for to get ready for the Notre Dame season.